0: Bracken and Bell together.
1: There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now this will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. Cooper puts it in with. Well, suddenly it's become a rout.
2: Of course, when things are going wrong against you, if you don't get the breaks of the ball, Cooper in with Stewart.
1: Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast On the day that Aberdeen appointed their 22nd permanent manager in Stephen Glass Tonight we'll be looking at the path that led to that appointment And casting an eye over some of the names touted to support him On the pitches of Cormac Park And also assessing the job he's got ahead of him So for a big news week uh, we needed some equally big guests Firstly the driving force behind the unstoppable red final It's Chris Crichton Chris, um, another lockdown issue hit the streets the other week well, not exactly the streets, but you know what I mean um do you reckon that your Marilyn Monroe do you this mash up was the final nail in Derek's coffin?
0: I think it was the uh, the final straw for a lot of people's eyeballs to be honest um it's one of those kind of on-sea images uh I, I, don't, I think that's possibly uh giving us a little bit more credit than uh than is due, but I mean we are it's a barometer isn't it of the um of the the views of the fans and I think it's um it's a conclusion that a lot of people were reaching simultaneously. So I don't think it's any great surprise that um that the, the two things happened so so quickly together. And to be honest from a personal point of view, just happy that it happened that way round that we were able to get a little period where we could actually uh sell the mag with it before
2: it became completely on topical. So I can over that <laughs>
1: Uh, I just wonder what kind of a feverish 3am dream dreamt up uh, that particular crossover um, Anyway we probably best not explore that to be honest um, Also <laughs> this is uh, Tom Watt Tom um, are you still somewhat subdued
2: that we didn't make Alex Neil the next Don's boss? I had I gone and spent an awful lot of money on Weed Killer to paint his face on Dave Cormack's <laughs> lawn I was convinced it was going to happen <laughs> I'd been saying for weeks I was like Preston are on a bad run. This is going to happen, and then at the weekend it was like the stars have aligned. This is it. We're going to get. I'm going to get my man. But no, uh, it was not to be. Um, it was only semi joking, but uh, no. We'll uh, we'll we'll see where things go instead.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that. I mean, Neil was probably um, a very very qualified candidate. Um, but I had a kind of feel of a McInnes continuity candidate, if you will. i probably managed at a higher level than McInnes has, absolutely. But that feel to him, I suppose what we've done is roll the dice a little bit, and we'll talk about that later on. Um, also with us, as ever, Martin Cleanus. Martin, you okay? Um, I'm doing
3: good, yeah. Just um, sad it wasn't Tony. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that quite. Went
3: on
0: the PSG last week was just. <laughs> It's
3: too much to lure him away. It it, ru- it ruined it, didn't it? It ruined it
1: for me. <laughs> <gasps> it can live to see another managerial appointment. I'm sure. I mean, he's only what thirty seven or something, 20? So I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure he'll be in the frame next time around we as well. Well, in your frame at least. Um, let's kick off talking about, I suppose, the process that led us to Stephen Glass, because there is a lot of debate about whether it was actually a. Fulsome, open recruitment process um, That um, you would hope and expect for a club like Aberdeen And Dave Cormack's certainly gone on record today Making clear that in his eyes it was Um, So hundreds of applicants for the job I think any sort of remotely noteworthy football club Receives that these days for for an opening Now we're down to, to we believe half a dozen interviews last week and Cormac back to this book about a clear criteria for who we are looking for. Um, and again, in his uh, interview that's just gone live uh, on the club page, in, when we looked at that criteria, it was very clear that the candidates that fitted our profile were the emerging ones. And something that's coming out, that uh, Sean Maloney got an interview, and, and maybe not some of the renowned SPFL names, Jim Goodwin's and so on, Tom. It, it never seemed to, to be the case that... Uh, an, experienced old head was going to be in the frame
2: Yeah it did seem very much like like uh, Dave Cormack had an idea of what he wanted and I think the the positive side of the process for me was we didn't cast the net out and just whoever you know whoever found their name in the hat and whoever, whoever was the most, most high profile or, or flavour of the month for whatever reason um, we didn't go in that direction which is something that we've had problems with before It was obvious. It it, it is obvious from this process that we it it needed to be somebody whose philosophy fit, who was going to work with. I mean, I think from from um, Dave Cormack's interview last week, and from what he was saying about his advice he got from Alex Ferguson about you've got to have a manager that can work with you. He was clearly looking for that, Um, and that's potentially why he he was probably looking for someone. That maybe wasn't quite as experienced at, at the top job, but was that, that had a lot of ideas, that was willing to work with him, um, wanted to play football a certain way, and was willing to sort of embrace the the ethos and the direction that Cormac wants to take.
1: Chris, um, I was minded to look at that whole football strategy document that came out last summer Is is merely a sort of marketing exercise to sell season tickets in, in club DNA. But but really, looking at it in hindsight, it, it becomes clear that within that you have the job specification for any next manager, head coach, whatever, that was going to follow Derek McInnes.
0: Yeah, and I think it would be, uh, it would be foolish to, to think that at that time Dave Cormack, I mean when he arrived at the club as uh in the chairmanship really, at that point will have had in his mind the fact that at some point in the relatively near future, um, this was going to be a job that was going to fall into his desk and this was how he was going to um stamp his, his mark on it. I mean in some respects I think a lot of the things that have been said uh over the last Week or two have been, uh, in some ways, the kind of retrofit a process which would have arrived at Stephen Glass being the ideal candidate. If that makes any sense, I think the mm-hmm. fact that the very you know the day after McInnes was fired, the papers were full of Stephen Glass as the as the preferred candidate. That's a name coming so far out of left field for a vacancy such as that that it could only have come from informs. Informed speculation Someone has fed that name to the media So somebody within the club has known from day one That this was a candidate Who was going to get the job So in that respect I think the process In inverted commas by which we've come To that point is not A two week recruitment process Amongst available coaches The process by which we've arrived At that point is the process by which What was formerly Aberdeen Football Club PLC With Stuart Mill as its chairman Became what is now essentially a part of a wider sporting organisation With people who have in both camps um, So we've reached the point where Yeah, people were interviewed for it That's probably a legal requirement that you have to do that But ultimately this is a sideways move within an organisation And the club as a whole has been positioned as such uh, That that was always going to be what Dave Cormack had in mind For his big move when it came his turn to pick his first manager as chairman He's positioned the club in such a way that it was going to be someone Who was moved from one department of the larger organisation into another So I think a lot of what is being said is kind of It's it's showing your workings after you've already figured it out in your head
1: Well if we accept Martin that it is in many respects an internal hire does that make it less risky than it might otherwise have been?
3: Um, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, you're, they're right to say that it is. I mean, it is as Chris mentions there. No, it's a it's a sideways move in a larger organisation. Um, but I mean, there still a, there still comes the risks that go with that. I mean, it's a, as we're led to believe it's a twelve month rolling contract that he's on. So you know, if it goes ca- catastrophically badly, then you know there's ac- action can be taken, and we're not going to be tied to someone. Are tied to a big fee for the guy, but it's very no. It's I mean it's very interesting the way that this has this has been done. Um, as you say, there's been you know we're, we're told by Dave there was hundreds of applicants and they've done the, no they've done the six interviews. I would love to know the full list of six um, just to see who was who was in there because Stephen Glass was obviously obviously the hot favourite. No, the name was as we've spoken, but the name was leaked almost immediately. Um, and you know, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, you know, you you called it absolutely spot on.
1: Yeah, that's how obvious it was. Even Kudo, I, it, right? kudos
3: to you, Richard. That you called it spot on. So I think that given what is in that, you know, that the job specification thing, as I say, that football strategy document that we that we all kind of saw and viewed with a bit, of kind of roll, uh, rolled your eyes with a bit of derision and sought for, you know, just being a bit of a kind of just a kind of PR thing, really. You know, that's that's perhaps. Given us a clue that he was going to look at someone like someone like Stephen Glass, Who he could bring in a, a younger manager who was perhaps you know within within his organization was within his reach, and perhaps you no know, Glass has probably been primed for this for a month. He's probably I think you know as a, as there's an HR there's an HR manager somewhere that's going to be having kittens at the way this has been done. But I think that Glass has probably been given the wink and a nod. You know, months ago, and been told. You know, if if the position comes up, you know, you are going to be in the running. You know, a running for and a strong, strong favourite. Um, and I certainly think that's what's happened in this case. Anyway,
2: I think just in terms of process as well. From a from a fans' perspective, who've seen, who've seen, you know, I think largely that everyone had got on board with the idea that McInnes had run his course, and it wasn't a bad thing that he he moved on. But I think it it has been weird. The way this has been handled has been weird. Like it, it wasn't just that Stephen Glass was rumored; his two assistants were rumored as well. That that is not somebody knows a little something who's whispered something to someone. That is somebody knows an awful lot and has told somebody an awful lot. And I think it, it, a little frustrating that even as recently as last week, when uh, Dave Cormack did his did his uh, Q and A last week he obviously reads Twitter, you know, he made reference to the fact, you know, nobody's self-isolating in a hotel in Aberdeen. They were. (laughs) I mean, they were. I don't really understand why a week ago you play down the prospect of there being an imminent, an imminent appointment amongst the clear favourite. I mean, the bookies had stopped taking bets on it for it then to just go the way that the, the, you know, to go the way that it seemed to be going in the first place. So whether it's a master stroke or not, I mean, I understand that from the perspective of keeping it all within one organization and being able to take advantage of the strategic partnership with Atlanta might rely on the fact there's a lot more goodwill than there has been previously. But I don't, I don't feel like the process cast the net especially wide. So Chris, is it acceptable
1: for a club with 118 years history you know, a big name in Scottish terms, a relatively known name in UK terms, this is it acceptable for just for us just to be a cog in a larger sporting organisation? It's unfortunate.
0: Uh, it, I can't say it's something that um, that I'm terribly excited by. I mean, I think we when things like this happen to, I mean, Hearts is a really great example when uh, when Hearts basically became whatever they became under Vladimir Romanov, they were some kind of satellite in, in a really odd. Wider chain Um, I think we all kind of laughed at it a bit And thought how on earth can you find yourself In a situation like that But this is how you find yourself in a situation like that Step by step Uh, And as happened with them What you had is in the first instance A chairman who wasn't particularly popular um, An investor Who came in with A vision, a strategy And uh, with investment partners uh, To put some cash into the bank account and then, you know, two or three years later, you find that the PLC status has been revoked, from the, the, the club has been taken up under a larger sporting umbrella. That is how it happens. Um, that's not necessarily to say that it's it's going to end in the same way that that ended. And of course, I suspect it's not, because that was a very extreme set of circumstances and a very extreme set of individuals. Um, but, they, you know, that, that was a club... Uh, for a time, which had managers parachuted in here with absolutely no experience of the Scottish game, who appeared to be, um, you know, drowning from day one. Uh, in a lot of cases, some of them worked, a lot of them didn't. There are there are other uh, cases around the world, maybe less so in in football, but where there is advantages of of synergies where uh, organisations uh, are able to to share uh, experience in different parts of the globe. Uh, among different uh arms of, of the organization So it can work um, It's not, I think, what football f- Specifically football fans sign up for and I think in other sports, certainly in American sports And, and uh, where Dave probably um, Takes a lot of his inspiration from um, Supporters... I often wonder how, you know, supporting an American franchise works, because they are just that. They're franchises that they can be picked up and moved and bought, bought and sold. How you really have an affection for that concept. I, I, I struggle with it at And a football supporter, particularly in the UK, where clubs are so grounded in their communities and, you know, the stadiums are always bang in the middle of town, usually in working class areas, and people are Intrinsically bound to this club As part of their DNA Um, It doesn't sit comfortably when that Gets kind of ripped out of that And put into a corporate box Within uh, a larger structure But it's 2021 I'm old fashioned So there (laughs) you go I'm behind the times But I don't think I'm alone in it
1: Yeah I get get a sense Looking from the outside That um, the, the typical American sports fan, American MLS fan, is, is, it, is it, it's entertainment. Whereas with us, that relationship's deeper, weirder, um, much more damaging to us, obviously. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it goes it goes beyond that. Living and breathing the football club. I I, I don't quite see it with regards to certainly soccer in the US. Um, but that might just be looking from the outside as opposed to uh, as opposed to a. Act of life over there I, I just wonder we've spoken on here before Tom about about potential structure at the club glass was announced as manager um, hinting that there might not be any more structural changes or maybe that's just to avoid upsetting the football daz that
2: too much I mean it, it certainly sounded like that I, from from Dave Cormack's his facebook live just you know 20 minutes ago, he did suggest That there would be further updates to The the support and coaching staff But he will leave all further updates To Stephen Glass Because it's his team He should be allowed to, to announce them As and when um, It doesn't sound like there's going to be I, I would guess from this there's not going to be Wholesale changes to the structure I would be surprised if at this stage We were getting a director of football um, Kind of set up I think it will be um and almost that 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 doesn't quite make sense if you're hiring someone like Stephen Glass. If you've got if Dave Cormack's going to be in charge of the the ethos of the club and with input from the board, with input from the the wider group and the, the, the team in the States um if they're in charge of kind of the ethos and the business side and he has a very good working relationship and by all accounts he seems to with with Stephen Glass, it doesn't necessarily make an awful lot of sense to have somebody, you know, as a as a middleman in the uh, in between. But it does sound like he's going to be able to. Um, he's going to have funds in the summer. There's an awful lot of players out of out of contract. He's going to be able to bring in his own players, regardless of whether he decides the players that are out of contract will get new contracts or not. Um, and he will be able to bring in his own coaching staff. I would be very surprised. Given how trailed he was If his coaching staff Were um, anything other than The names that have already been put out there
1: Well you won't be surprised to hear We'll be be coming back to that particular topic Later on in the show Again on structure Martin Given Atlanta obviously do have A director of football Sporting director whatever you want to Want to call it In fact I should be clear here That I suppose our understanding Your director of football is um, based on when Willie Miller had the job Or the structure that Atlanta have Is very much what Derek Gray was talking about A couple of weeks ago on our show does that, does that not surprise you That we are not trying to mimic their structure Given that you know that football strategy document Definitely mimics the way that they set out their football strategy And obviously we are now taking a coach from Atlanta
3: it, d- it definitely does. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 we just—I uh, you know, think we, it was fair for us to assume that we were going to go down that route. I mean, um, obviously, Tom mentioned there that you know Dave was on you know, the YouTube thing that was out just about half an hour ago, twenty minutes, whatever it was. Um, you know, he specifically referenced that Stephen Glass is going to be working alongside um, the football team and Stephen Gunn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's something that you know perhaps. It is just. It is going to be. It is going to be down that way with term director of football. But it's be, it's just going to be going under a different name, um, because. Ugh, let's be honest. No, if if you had a if you had a pound for every time somebody said fit does Willie Miller actually D, back then, <laughs> you'd be you know you'd be a millionaire, um, and, so I think that I think they might just be wanting to steer away from using that term. Um, I certainly think that I th- certainly think that we'll be we'll be trying to imprint as much of as much of the Atlanta and wider wider structure on uh, on Aberdeen. And he'll certainly want to put that in there as well because he'll you know. I think he'll feel that it works over there um, and bringing in bringing in you know the, the, the Atlanta two manager as well. We'll be looking at a similar a similar thing how. How um, maybe how Derek Derek Ray did describe it to us? It's just it's going to be under kind of under a different
0: name.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's clear if you if you look at his socials that Stephen Gunn's already been sort of entwined with parts Mm. of the the Atlanta organization. Already no doubt been learning from him, probably passing on some of our best practices as well. But uh, those conversations probably have been happening at levels under other than the frontline football. Um, level which obviously is is the one we care about most. If you, if you had any giggling in the background over the last 10 minutes it's because the hearts are a couple of minutes away from going out the cup to Brewer Rangers <laughs> which would just be fantastic on so many levels. Let's try and be a little bit positive about what Stephen Glass can actually bring to the table because he may not have that frontline managerial experience Chris but you know, he does pick a lot of the boxes that are on that job spec, even if you think that that's been retrofitted to match what Stephen Glass actually looks like.
0: Yeah, I think fundamentally the uh, the, the kind of CV that someone like Stephen Glass brings it, it is not of itself uh, an issue, as far as I'm concerned. I think if we if we look at the kind of the end of the Derek at tenure, I think what people had. Grow, and Both within the club And as supporters um, Had really grown weary of Was the the kind of um, The very narrow band Of outcomes within which we were Realistically working um, We didn't really see that there was a particular Upside uh, we kind of hit his ceiling um, But equally he was a relatively Safe pair of hands that was going to ensure That pretty much We could finish in the top four Most years And avoid what seems to be happening at the hearts right now in the cup Um, So if you accept that you want that kind of era to end You want that sort of banality, if you like, to end uh, Then you also accept that what comes next uh, Is going to be different And it can be different in two ways Uh, There's a better... McInnes' outcomes were kind of in quite a narrow box And if you want results which are outside that box Then you need to think outside the box In terms of uh, The hire who comes next um, But but there are of course Two ways out of the box You can go up, out, out of it, the top Or you can fall through the box So any appointment is going to be a risky one So you need to hire Someone in that perspective Who has The potential ability for the club to progress from where it is just now Anyone who has the proven ability to do that Is probably out with the reach of a club of Aberdeen's means So you have to take a punt on someone Who could potentially prove to be that That skilled a coach So it's always going to be someone Who does not come with a guarantee Someone who does not come with uh, an enormous uh, History of success Someone who has ideas that you think are ones that are interesting that have the potential to bring something different that can then be translated into incremental success, pushing a little bit further up the table, potentially winning trophies here and there. Uh, so for that to happen, we we accepted in advance that it was going to be someone who didn't necessarily come with uh, a, a lengthy. TV and a lot of uh, trophy Success in the background That said, whether This particular individual, Stephen Glass Is the correct Person of that type Well that will remain to be seen, obviously all of us Hope uh, dearly That it's a a roaring success And that he is is the guy Um, What That is based on uh, At the moment Seems to be pretty much Trust in Dave Cormack really that is all you have To go on there isn't very much in His uh, in Show reel that He can point to with any great certainty That that this is going to work out uh, Dave Cormack obviously Is somebody who has worked with Stephen Glass uh, in recent years much More closely than anybody else um, that, that is involved In the process and he clearly is seeing those things um, that everybody else would want for an appointee to have. Um, so yeah, it's 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 untried. It's something different. It needed to be something different, um, and only time will tell whether it is different in the right direction.
1: what you know, one thing's for sure, Tom. Um, I think you know, on the back of that uh, interview we had with Jason Longshore a couple of weeks ago about. About Stephen's time at Atlanta too And about how the focus there isn't on results There were a few comments along the lines of Well, you know, there's the manager that isn't judged on results So, you know, how, how's he going to be aware of the expectations? But, I mean, this is the guy who played at Petaudry Who grew up in Scottish football He knows
2: exactly what the expectations here are I think so, I mean, I, I don't have any I have no reservations about Stephen Glass From the point of view of him Understanding what it means to the city, understanding what it means to to win games. I think you know that he's he's made the point of saying he wants to be. He, he parroted Cormac's line about wanting to have a team that goes to Glasgow and believes they'll win. Um, I don't have any reservations whatsoever about him understanding there is a world of difference between blooding young players that may potentially make the the step up at MLS and understanding that. You know, two out of every three weeks, we're going to expect to win, and uh, we're going to expect to win an awful lot more than we have recently. Um, I have a lot of reservations about. I mean, we've touched on the process. I think if anybody, if anybody can hand on heart, it's it's the unknowns that 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 worry me. I think we. The the only advantage that we have over the, the, from the last few years, from, from looking for a new manager off the back of McInnes, where we've had a, a, a very good set of years to at least, a, you know, a, a, not a tragic set of years when we've, we're in a relatively stable position, is we, we've got a bit more luxury in who that successor is. Personally, I would not have rolled the dice quite as much as we seem to have rolled the dice. I, I, I think, there were other people I would have felt more comfortable with because there was less unknowns about them I don't think you can read much into the handful of games that uh, Glass took over from, uh, from De Boer, uh, Atlanta I think he speaks very well about football, he's played at a very high level, he was involved in a very good Newcastle team he's obviously got very, uh, an awful lot of good contacts but at the moment all we've got to base it on is what he's saying there's not you know if there was any other you know if it'd been Sean Maloney for example you could have said well you know he we we know who he's worked with we know like he's literally worked with the best players in the world um yeah
1: but the idea that working with better quality players makes you a better coach is, sure, is surely nonsense
2: it it is, but while you've got nothing to go on and you're basing your you're basing your hunch on i mean he he also speaks well about football he also for me, he ticked the same boxes as as Glasted, other than the fact he obviously. Uh, for me, and why I'm so, why I am not thrilled with this is there are so many unknowns. I don't like that there, there. There seems like there's so much that could go wrong, and it is not a. It, it, I understand why we've got to roll the dice. I, I and I would I would love it if this comes back to bite me because I'd love to be wrong on it. It is a very big job and a and a big rebuild, and what I've seen and heard so far hasn't hasn't given me confidence. Confidence will come back very quickly if results come and and he his teams play as well as he speaks. But I, I'm nervous.
1: At your heart's out, by the way. I'm minded that uh, the last time they were in our position of needing a new manager, they went and paid money for Robbie Nielsen. Um, this weird attraction to the former player. Martin, I guess the, the point distilled about Derek McInnes is he didn't m- maybe have a very high ceiling, but he certainly had a high floor in terms of his Aberdeen performance. I, I think there were candidates out there, your Alex Niels, your Jim Goodwins, who, who could definitely have replicated what... Uh, a lot of what Derek McInnes could bring to the table at Aberdeen. Do you are you excited by the fact that we've rolled the dice even a little bit?
3: I am. Yeah, I mean, I th- I've I said I said a few weeks ago in here, and I've been pretty, I've been pretty vocal that the last thing I wanted was one of these names, you know, these Scottish football names that kind of go, goes round the houses. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we joked about. Um, Someone like Stephen Presley applying, um, you know, maybe he was one of the six just so they could know they could say, well, we did interview somebody, but it was always going to be a no. Um, That that certainly, someone like that certainly wouldn't surprise me. But no, I am I am excited because, look, we know we know what Derek McInneson achieved, and you know the. You know, the last couple of seasons, apart from you no, know, the, the fourth places weren't good enough. But you know, we're looking at you know The the target is third. The target is finals and getting to them and winning them. The target is getting into Europe and getting further than we've been getting. That I think those targets will still be there. Um, those will be those will probably still be the, the exact same targets. But they're going to want they now want you know what goes what comes out of that football strategy document. With know younger, more younger, homegrown players. You know, attacking football, exciting football, because it's, they, they want people getting excited about the team, they want people coming into the grounds, you know, dare I say, they want people buying DNA packages and things like that. And that's, just, that's the sort of thing that will, that will do that, where if people are excited by the football, they'll want to spend money on it. Um, I'm just, I'm just excited because I think, you know, I can understand why people have been a bit negative because, um, you know, I mean, I read, I read a couple of things today where people have compared this to a sort of, a young manager like an Ian Cathro kind of thing, which I don't necessarily agree with. I don't think was right at all. Um, I think that we've got a guy who has got a, a, a proper relationship with with our club, um, and through the Atlanta link, you know, will we'll be will be more than aware. And has just like you say, he speaks well. He he spoke well about you know how he's been watching the games and how he watches the team uh, and how he watches a lot of a lot of Scottish football. And that 's something that you know will hopefully stand him in good stead, so he knows what to expect you know, he 'll know all the things he won 't need to be kind of briefed very much on on some of the teams and what you need to do it you know at Hamilton or St. mirren or St Johnston or whatever I think this is I think it is an it is an exciting um, an exciting prospect of what comes Yes, people are going to be a little bit unhappy Because it isn't the glamour name that perhaps we're hoping for I do think that had it been maybe Robinson or Jim Goodwin or something It would have probably just been more of the same um, and, a, and as you say, a continuance of what we saw under Derek McInnes
1: Yeah, potentially with a, with a decreasing return um, So, moving on from Stephen Glass It, it was very... Bruce very early on The sort of names he'd be looking to Add to his back Room team um, One of them is Alan Russell Who's been working as strikers coach For the English national team uh, It's Scott who previously played at Kilmarnock Amongst many many other clubs In what was a bit of a journeyman career This is the Uncontroversial one Tom Isn't it This is something which I would have liked to have seen Derek McInnes add to, add to his uh, coaching staff Because uh, truly it's uh, an area of the park We need freshened up in
2: Yeah uh, and he, he is By all accounts he's, um, he's brought a lot of fresh ideas uh, Gareth Southgate's praised The way that he's worked with strikers The work that he's done on set pieces um, a, a fresh approach And he seems like a very, very good hire. I mean, it, it, you can I mean, we, have said just a minute ago, just because you're, you know, working with players at the very highest level, international level, doesn't necessarily mean that you'll be able to take it into, uh, to, to your club. But it's a fairly good indicator that if you can see what, what's working at the highest level, and you're working with your, you know, your, your, your Harry Canes and your Rashfords and the like, you're you're going to learn a lot yourself. So I think it's it was a it seems like a solid appointment. It seems like an area that we need a lot of work on, and he's he seems to have been very effective in what he's done.
1: And a proper specialist coach for that area as well, which seems to me a little bit overdue. I mean, you know, we've had goalkeeping coaches as part of the infrastructure of football coaching for a long time in this country, but. Uh, It seems to have taken a little bit longer for the specialism to to work its way to other parts of the team Um, So if Alan Russell's, as I say, the uh, uncontroversial appointment um, The other one, (laughs) um, Scott Brown So there's two facets to this, I suppose, Martin um, I'm coming to you first because I, I'm waiting for the um, sort of nuclear reaction that Chris is going to give us, which I'm just marking is, my run we're up. building up to. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney Ambrose back on the uh, back in the edge of the uh, pitch. Um, as a player, what do you think he can still bring? Do you think he can still bring anything to a team that has aspirations towards the top end of the table?
3: Honestly, I don't think he can. Um, you know, and. I, I didn't watch. I didn't watch the game on Sunday. I watched some of the hi- I watched the highlights, um, and apparently he was man of the match. Um, everything I read um, basically implies that that was just him—an you know, excuse to get him out and get an interview out of him. Um, but we, I've, you know, I've said for a couple of seasons now that, though he, he he's been, he looks finished. Um, he certainly isn't good enough for them. Uh, I don't think he's good enough for us um, in terms of as a player. Um, I know that people will say, you "No, know, oh, well, as a leader, well, I don't really know." I mean, other other than other than standing about in a short sleeve shirt and pointing a lot, I don't know what he really. I don't know what he's really done lately for them, and I don't know really what, what he would do to us. And you know, I've seen people say that you know, um, Ferguson and McCrory might be able to learn stuff from them. Well, I think though know, him coming in if he comes in as a player, um, that you no, know, perhaps you no, know, perhaps some of the young lads might learn something from him, but. Potentially, that's going to upset upset the team. You no, know, you've got those two guys in your midfield. You've got someone like someone like Dean Campbell who's going to be pushed down the pe- pecking order. You've got you no know, dare I say, God forbid that you no, know, if Ojo comes back, where it? him you no. Know, he's further down if we can't get rid of him. Now, bringing in this guy who I don't think has it at for a team that wants to be at the very least third in the in the Scottish Premier League. I don't think he's got the. He's got the ability for that, and as a player, it's, it would be an absolute no for me.
1: Tom, uh, Martin is notoriously blinkered on these things. Is any of what he is saying fair from someone who
2: might have watched more Scottish football than just Aberdeen over the past 12 months? I think an awful lot of it's fair. I mean, do, do I think Scott Brown still has something to give at the top level? Yes. Um, has he had some very good games over the last 18 months? Yeah. I mean, this time last year, he was leading Celtic to you know, strolling it through to to, to another league title. Um, had they managed him better, had he not played 60 games a season for the last 10 years, then he would still have an awful lot more in the tank. Do I, you know, it, it, is he capable at... at the level that we might want next season, I would say, yeah, he probably is. If he's not playing every single week, the difficulty is, and I have two, two playing difficulties before we even get onto the moral one. The the playing difficulty is if he is coming, he is going to want to play every week. He's not coming. If he wanted to be a bit part player, he'd sign another contract at Celtic. He'd come on, you know, for cameos. He'd, uh, he'd, he'd play the, the, you know, the midweeks against Hamilton and, and, you know, Ross County. So he's obviously coming as a player and as a, uh, this force in the dressing room. If, however, he is coming as a player and the strategy is to develop young players at, at Pottery, and this is where, where I, I wholeheartedly agree, we have three of the best young Scottish central midfielders in the country at the moment in McCrory Ferguson and Dean Campbell who was one of the few bright spots from uh, spots from the weekend not to mention you know Dylan McGeeck if he ever gets fit uh Vertinen, who certainly last season was winning rave reviews and is still young enough that if he gets another contract could could make an impression it's the one area of the team which we don't really need a, a huge amount of a, a you know, we we don't need a huge amount of surgery. Do I think he is significant? I don't think he's significantly better than anything that we've got. I think there's a fair argument that he's not even as good as we've got. Do I think he could do a job? Do I think that he, as a player, could be, you know, a force over the course of the season? Absolutely. But I don't see how it fits with the strategy. I don't see what it brings. You know, I think we would be better sorted. You know, we'd be better suited um, looking elsewhere uh, if we're going to bring in a player on on presumably what will be an awful lot of money, and he will want to play every week. Okay, so that's a fairly rounded
1: view on him as a as a player, and you know what he can bring on that side. The coaching side, I suppose we we don't know anything about. A bit like Stephen Glass in many respects, but. What about him as a a human and specifically as the former Celtic skipper that uh, blindly backed Tonev um, against Shea Logan when uh, he was accused of making racist comments to him? Chris?
0: Yes. (laughs) Right. I'm going to be as calm and rational about this as possible because that's the only way you can can properly put an argument across. I'm going to start like this. Here's some things that this is not about. It's not about the fact that he's coming from Celtic Okay? Couldn't care less Not about the fact that he Was swaggering about Acting the big man in a Celtic midfield We've got Barry Robson on our staff Who also did that and everyone's perfectly happy with that Don't care It's not about the fact that he was And remains presumably Feeling nasty on the pitch You know what? Fine Plenty of people who were like that as players Have gone on to be excellent coaches Sometimes specifically because Of that part of their nature Not about that Not about jealousy, it's not about the fact that he was part Of a Celtic team that hoovered up all these Trophies and competitions that my team were playing in Garbage Anyone who thinks it's got Anything to do with that Is reducing it, is putting that up as a straw man argument because they know that What it's Actually about, they're on the wrong end of Listen, anyone comes To my club with a massive CV of success Of knowing what it takes to win matches Do I want my team to win on a Saturday? Of course I do If somebody comes into my team's building And is able to put even 1% On top of their chances To win a game on a Saturday I'm here for that, okay? This is what it's about In 2014, a player in the Celtic team Made a racist remark On the pitch to a player Of my Aberdeen team He was found guilty of it by an independent tribunal and was given a seven-game suspension for it. After that had happened, Scott Brown and other people from the Celtic organisation, including Ronnie Dyla, came out and said these words specifically, We know he didn't say it. We know he didn't say it. Okay, you can defend people who are friends of yours, who are colleagues of yours. I have no problem with that. You cannot say that you know That he didn't say it Because, here's the thing You don't know You didn't hear it And the club statement that came out after that On Celtic's behalf Blandly saying That at no point in this Did we ever suggest that Jay Logan Had made this up Well you know what See when Alexander Tonev went to that tribunal With a solicitor On his behalf The point that they put I'm not going to say the words that were actually used, because it was pretty spicy stuff. But Shea Logan made the allegation that he had said, don't touch me, you black, expletive. Alexander Tonev and his solicitor suggested to Shea Logan, under examination, that what he had in fact said was merely, don't touch me. There was no allegation that Shea Logan had potentially misheard words that Alexander Tonev had said. They were simply and blatantly stating that Shea Logan had added those words to the end in order to make this allegation about the player. Scott Brown in his role as Celtic captain has fostered an environment in which that Allegation undermining Shea Logan's credibility was allowed to run absolutely rampant across the back pages of the Scottish newspapers for weeks around that time and has fostered the environment in which for the seven years since then, Shea Logan continues to receive abuse of a racial nature online and in stadiums On the basis of something that he cannot possibly have known It was simply physically impossible For either of those people to have known for for certain The words that came out of Tonev's mouth And for them to have said that And to have allowed that narrative To be the one which went into the Scottish football discourse Because Aberdeen and Shea Logan kept a dignified silence About the whole thing That to have been allowed to be the narrative Which passed into the Scottish football history And has never yet been corrected by the way I wouldn't accept an apology for it now It's too late But if at any point After the appeal had gone through Somebody had come out and said You know what See when I said I knew he didn't say it I probably phrased that wrong What I meant to say was I'm sticking by him We're keeping an open mind You know that's one thing But allowing that to pass through without comment and never going back to to correct the record at any point over the last seven years means that this situation has become fossilised in that way. There will be people across the country who will never accept that, that, what, that Alexander Tonev said to Shea Logan On that pitch what he, is, what he was found to have said By an independent tribunal And which was upheld by an appellate tribunal There are people who will never accept it And they will never accept it Because the club that they support Or a big club within this country Allowed that narrative To be set in stone At that point in time So no, frankly You do not get to stand there And say that one of my players Is fabricating an allegation Of racial abuse on the pitch And then seven years later Because it suits your professional development At any particular point in time Swan into that building Passing him on the way out By the way And take a living out of that club She Logan deserves better than that as well by the way He deserves better than to be passed in the doorway On his way out By the person who Sat there in front of the media and said that he knew That what Shay Logan was alleging did not take place um, There are some things that Regardless of any football merit That an individual takes to the club There are some lines which simply cannot be crossed And you do not get to be followed by a cameraman Up to shake the hand of an opponent of a rival club Who's been racially abused by somebody else When it did not affect you in any way And be made out to be this beacon of racial tolerance and equality. When it came to your doorstep and the bell tolled for you to stand up and do something about it, you failed. And you do not get to come into my stadium and purport to represent my club. End. Sorry.
1: I feel like clapping Chris But this looks like it's going ahead Assuming that to be the case How do you think that's going to affect Your relationship with your club Well
0: listen I tweeted this morning uh, On the Red Final account um, That uh, No person is bigger than the club I feel that I've always felt that People have come through this club That I have felt distinctly Queasy about Wearing uh, The Aberdeen badge For various reasons my love for the club will always remain And will always outlast them There will come a day where everybody Who's currently employed by Aberdeen Football Club No longer works here And it will still be here and so will I uh, Other people may come to different decisions Other people may think that this uh, Allowing this to, to happen Is, you know, selling out the club And people who have worked for it With great esteem for many years um, and may come to a different decision I don't know um, I, at the moment I mean it's raw, it's new um, I find it Difficult at the moment to to even uh, Visualise And imagine um, Sitting, watching a, an Aberdeen Team with him in it Or on the sidelines um, coaching it um, You know that day is Going to come And you know it will be what it will be And an Aberdeen Football Club will continue To to exist in the meantime And afterwards and, and we'll all still be there With it but it doesn't necessarily mean That we have to be overjoyed About it and, um, or any of the Processes by which it, it's come to pass that's, I suppose that's a long winded way of saying You know what I absolutely don't know
1: No it's still early A um, little bit uh, Harsh to ask you that right now I suppose Let's move on to the task that is actually facing Stephen Glass and whoever his backroom team are. Um, there was a lot of talk when the change was made that um, of the similarities to Derek McInnes is getting those first five dead rubbers um, to gauge the squad, see what changes needed to be made, see if anybody deserves new contracts. Martin, I just wonder this time though, they're not really dead rubbers, are they? I mean. Granted, we're probably likely to finish fourth. We're certainly not going to finish third, but the Scottish Cup as well. This and it's also a much much tougher run of games. There's a real danger that you set this uh, set this whole new tenure off on the wrong foot, isn't there?
3: It could be, yeah. Um, I mean, these there's there's no way that they can be described. It's a much it's a much harder. Um, Run to begin with, That obviously Derek McInnes had, yeah, definitely. You um, no, still being in the cup, no, obviously because of the because of the way we have found ourselves with COVID and all that. Yeah, we're no, the, the, we've we've not really we've not played in the Scottish Cup, so yeah, we're, the the cup still will be taken care of. You know, there's the the, the five league games as well. Um, there is, yeah, it's it's dangerous that you know these games still have to be approached the right way, and you know. He's gonna come in, he's gonna have he's not gonna have a lot of time um, to spend spend with the players before before getting on this. So I think a continuance of what perhaps what Paul Sheeran and Paul Sheeran, Simme and uh, Barry Robson have been doing will probably happen for, for at least a couple of games. I mean I don't think he's gonna come in and you know, radically change things immediately. I think that's probably something for the summer, but um no, we've, we've, I've said it so many times on here. We ha- no, you have to finish fourth at minimum. Um, no, third looks third looks like it's gone. Yeah, um, still no, still we'd never give up. Still got that little bit of hope. Um, still got that hope for the Scottish Cup as well. Um, and no, despite the fact that you think no, it's not going to be hearts anyway, and that's something that we can all enjoy. Um, but I think that you know. Th- there's still there's still a chance of this season ending in a in a way where we're, it's not not too bad, and I, I do think we're there's still a possibility a third because because Hibs are Hibs, basically, um, and you know we, we've got we can we could possibly do something in the cup. I mean it's um, it'll be it'll be a tough ask, but you know. Stephen Glass knows what he's coming in you know, He'll have been briefed, he says he's been watching All the games or he's, watched, watched, he's going to watch The ones he's missed back So he knows, he knows what to expect He knows what he has, has in the squad um, you know, He's not going to be able to add anybody To it um, So for these last five Plus cup games um, we're going to, He's going to have to try And hit the ground running
2: I, I would say it was bar, barring an absolute disaster Because it's, because it's Been awful like because it's been 2021 has been awful like we we've just been disastrous he actually has quite an opportunity like anything he does should be better than what's gone before it and because there is an expectation in the league anyway that we've got a we do have you know obviously you've got the five best teams in the in the division and um, because there is a, an expectation There is a bit of an element of a free hit in the league. I think it would, although there is a possibility we could drop the fifth. It would need Livingston to go on a good run against the, you know, the 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 five best teams in the division as well. It would need us to take nothing from the last five games. I think in the league he has an opportunity to to sort of to put a marker down, and people like me who are sceptical about it could quite quickly get on board. I think even if he has a disastrous season between, in the league between now and the end of the year, it'll be what happens in the summer that, that defines him and he'll get kind of a clean slate anyway. But he could quite quickly get people inside in the league. The cup, barring, I mean, assuming we can start with something against Dumbarton and, and make some inroads, again, I think he's got a bit of a, a free ride with it, barring some absolute disaster. For me, I think he's. It could be. I mean, whatever he does will be forgiven in the summer, and it will be next season that he's judged on. But he's got a very good opportunity to lay down a marker and, and get people optimistic ahead of next season.
1: What about longer term, Tom? Because clearly, you know, one of the things in his favour, one of the things he'll be tasked to do is uh, make that pathway from the academy to the reserves to the first team, bring in more academy talent, basically. But football fans are notoriously short-term. None of us are going to have the patience to take one step back, even if it does mean moving two steps two steps forward in a few years' time.
2: Yeah, and you know, a successful academy system is is quite rare. For what, for what counts as success? I mean, the, the Alex Ferguson's great Man United team of the early nineties had one. Youth team player that came through, established themselves every year. They only had one. Occasionally, there was someone that would come in and make you know ten, fifteen appearances, but there was one a season, and that was the plan. If that's the plan again, then I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility. Um, but it's it's all the football fans may not buy into it. They may they may say otherwise. But largely speaking, for a new manager, the first thing that matters is results obviously your your ideal situation would be great results, great football, and we 've got homegrown talent coming through. but homegrown talent coming through will be quickly disregarded if you 've got great football and the uh, and you 're winning games but if you 're playing great football and you 're not winning games th- that that gets ditched as well i I, I think people will give him. A decent amount of time I don't think I think the squad needs Surgery, I don't think it needs Completely overhauled, there's some good players There uh, that are on longer term Contracts and a lot of the players they Either either they earn Their contract in the summer and Will deserve it or if they move on There will be A fairly decent wage budget to, to replace What they've got um, But it'll be it's it's definitely a challenge It's definitely a challenge to Set high standards And to expect that Your 18, 19, 20 year olds that come in Are going to be Ready to be as good As some of the more seasoned professionals That you might have
1: uh, Stephen in his interview On Red TV this evening um, Chris spoke about having The right senior players in the squad uh, Looking at who's signed up beyond the end of the season In terms of Actual senior members—you've got Andy Considine, Johnny Hayes, and, and Joe Lewis. They seem to me ups and downs, obviously, in terms of their form. But but I think that there'd be general agreement that they have the right stuff to kind of influence the the sort of next uh, generation.
0: Yeah, I think in, in terms of them as individuals, they are the right type of players to be in the dressing room. But also for this club, you know, they are not just three senior professionals, but they are three. Players who are steeped in Aberdeen. Obviously, uh, Andy's the only one who's come right through from uh, from the youth system, but all three of them have been here for very long periods of time. Um, I think both Johnny and Joe have made over 200 appearances for the first team, I think. Um, you know, they are fundamentally uh, recognised as, as Aberdeen players, and I think that's what you want to have. Um, but definitely from a Kind of philosophical point of view, they cover a lot of bases, really. I think um, you know Andy is the the one with the the big lifetime attachment to the team and the area. Uh, Joe is someone who's come from A uh, promising early career in England and, and ended up um, finding his, his home here, which I think is probably a, a player type that. Um, Exploited quite a lot of late and are probably Going to be looking at again And um, and Johnny is 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 a very Different type of individual, he's the kind of character That all dressing rooms need Um, I don't think anyone who Has ever worked with Johnny Hayes Doesn't like him They will all be very important Individuals um, within the dressing room And I expect that probably all three of them will, Will be very important Within the actual 11 on the pitch as well Um, Obviously it takes a lot more than those three um, To make a successful team And it also hinges on those players Retaining their high levels I think possibly Johnny's shaded a bit as the season's gone on And we've probably seen more errors Than we would expect out of Joe Lewis In the course of the season as well Um, So it's it's incumbent upon all of those players To to retain their own levels To make sure that they continue to be an important part of the team on, On their own merits But on the assumption that that does occur, that decent cornerstone to be going forward with.
1: Well, it's a fresh start, Um, one which we haven't had, sorry, for eight years. So there's definitely a lot of intrigue around it. See how it pans out. That's all we can do. Um, It's a managerial appointment with not a lot of backstory in order to judge where it might go, where it might end up. But we wish Stephen Glass all the best.
0: Richard, can I, can I second that? I want to specifically say that Because I know a lot of this has been negative And specifically a lot of what I've said has been quite negative But I really wish Stephen Glass every success in the world I love Stephen Glass as a player, he's a great player for Aberdeen And did us a great service And it's a bit unfortunate that his return to the club Has kind of been uh, shrouded a wee bit by the negativity about it Because under any other circumstance, having somebody who is that Significant, uh, a player for our club returning, um, to, to our building again would, would be something to be celebrated. So, uh, I think we should, we should give him a good old fashioned pat on the back.
1: All right, and um, by the time things get going for him properly in August, maybe, just maybe, uh, we'll be back in the stands to greet him. uh, And I don't think any of us can wait for that uh, day to happen. Um, Tonight, my thanks to Martin Clunas. Martin, thank you. Thank you, Richard. To Tom, who's still pining for Alex (laughs) Neal.
2: I'm over it. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Tom. And uh, to Chris, bristling with righteous anger.
0: Ah, yeah, that's a bit the size of it.
1: Uh, we'll be back uh, with you next week Uh, until then come on you reds